0: Welcome to Linworth Road Church, helping people become fully alive, fully mature, and fully on mission. Visit LinworthRoadChurch.com to learn more. We're going through a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so if uh, you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Chris uh, started the chapter last week. We're going to finish it this morning. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 957. And would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your word, for the truth of your word, and how its message has changed our lives. We ask, Father, that you would speak to us this morning. You'd open the scriptures to us, and you'd give us grace to hear what you have to say. you give us grace to apply what you, tell, you show us this morning to our lives and to obey it. We ask you to guide and direct this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Out of the 259 chapters in the New Testament, no chapter mentions the gospel more than 1 Corinthians 9. The word gospel appears eight times in this chapter, and if you're reading some translations, as many as nine times. So this morning, I want us to focus on the gospel. Now, when you think of the word gospel, what comes to mind? You know, there's gospel preachers, there's gospel music, gospel choirs, gospel singers. Some churches say they're full gospel churches. But as you may know, the word gospel in the Greek means to announce good news. The gospel means good news. And if there was ever a time when people needed good news, it's today. Because there seems to be so much bad news. And there's so many hurting people. There's so many who are searching for some purpose and meaning in life. So many who, are, uh, who, who sense that something's missing. So many who are searching for something more in life. The Bible says we were born with eternity in our hearts. That's something unique to mankind. To men and women who were made in the image of God. You know, it's not true of the animal kingdom. You know, I don't think animals sit around and wonder about the meaning of life. Dogs don't. Definitely cats never would. I mean, but can you imagine one of your dogs laying in the backyard thinking, what is the meaning of my life? Why am I here? I've tried everything this world has to offer. I've tried roadkill, chasing cats, drinking toilet water. And yet still there's an emptiness. No, dogs don't think like that. But people do. There are four things I know that's true about every group of people. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter where they're from. I know that in every group of people there's an emptiness. I know that in every group of people there's a sense of loneliness. There's a sense of guilt. I know that in every group of people there's a fear of death. Why? Why is that? It's because we need God. We were created by God and we were made for God. We need God. And there's only one solution, there's only one remedy, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I think of the gospel, I often think of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I often often think of the Apostle Paul. Because as Chris said last week, the gospel was Paul's all-consuming passion. Now, Paul didn't receive the gospel from any man. Nor did someone teach it to him. He received the gospel through a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And of all the people in the Bible, no one gives us a clearer definition of the gospel than the Apostle Paul. And it's found right here in this book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. And here's what Paul said. He said, for what I received, now he's talking about the gospel, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. The good news that God loves us and sent His Son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, that He was raised from the dead. He's alive today. He stands at the door of our hearts knocking, wanting to come in to live within us, to forgive our sins, and give us the gift of eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the message that Paul preached. And there are several things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul about the gospel that we can apply to our lives today. The first thing that we learned from the Apostle Paul about the gospel is that proclaiming the gospel is an obligation. Now, we remember from last week, if we look back at verse 14. Now we're in 1 Corinthians 9, 14. We remember from last week that the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. But you remember that Paul gave up that right. Now look at verses 15 and 16. He says, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Translation, Paul is saying, I have to preach the gospel. I need to preach the gospel. I'm required to. I'm compelled to. The love of Christ compels me. I must preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't. It's my duty. It's my obligation. For necessity is laid upon me. That's why Paul said this in Romans 1.14. He said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Both to the wise and to the foolish. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm obligated to preach the gospel to everyone. Now, when Paul came to know Jesus, his whole life was changed. His whole life was transformed. He, and, and the love of God came flooding into his heart. He became a new creation in Christ. And he devoted his entire life to preaching the gospel. It truly was his all-consuming passion. Listen to what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 20 verse 24. He said, but I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Paul was single-minded. He was focused. And his most important goal in life was to tell others about Jesus Christ. And for Paul, sharing the gospel was not an option. It was his duty. It was his obligation. It was his life. It was his ministry. He couldn't stop preaching the gospel even if he wanted to. In verse 17, Paul tells us that he had been entrusted with a stewardship. and That stewardship was the gospel. And he was driven by the desire to do what God wanted him to do. And it's no wonder he was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. Paul was entrusted with a ministry, the gospel. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a ministry? Maybe many of you here say, yeah, I'm involved in a ministry. Maybe some of you say, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure I have a ministry. You know, there are many ministries. You may be involved in the music ministry, children's ministry, or youth ministry. Maybe the homeless ministry, right to life, the free medical clinic. Hundreds of ministries that are all good ministries. But what many people don't realize is that we all have a ministry All Christians have a ministry. And it's the very same ministry God gave to Paul. It's the gospel. It's a ministry given to every true believer in Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul told the church in Corinth. If we skip ahead to the second book of Corinthians, and we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, here's what Paul says. And this applies to every Christian. He says when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. All these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message He's given us to tell others. We are Christ ambassadors. Think of it. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You and I represent Jesus Christ in this lost and dying world. You've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Just like Paul. Now, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and we put our faith and trust in Him, His blood washed all of our sins away and we were reconciled to God. We became a child of God and we were brought into a relationship with God. We were reconciled to God. And now we have the privilege of sharing that with others. God's given us a ministry the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel. That's our ministry. We're ambassadors for Christ, sent into all the world with the good news of the gospel. Now, that's an important responsibility. And just like Paul, we have an obligation. As ambassadors for Christ, we have an obligation. We're the light of the world, and God's plan is to use you and me. But we don't go alone. God goes with us through the Holy Spirit to help us and to empower us. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, maybe so. But God has gifted you. He's made you a new creation in Christ. And you have a story to tell of how God changed your life. And there are many, many ways to share the gospel. Many methods. Many approaches that fit with who you are. And that's the second thing we learn from the Apostle Paul about the gospel. There are many methods to share the gospel. Now, look at verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9:19. 9, Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. There are so many ways that we can share the gospel. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism. We all have different gifts, and God uses us in different ways. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I know that when you go fishing, you, do, you use different kinds of baits and different type of techniques for different fish. If you go bass fishing, you use a different type of bait or lure or technique than if you're fishing for trout. It's a whole different uh, technique. You see, sometimes Paul varied his approach. Now, if you read through Acts 21 and 22, you'll see that when Paul was in Jerusalem, that he became like a Jew in order to win the Jews. He observed some of the Jewish laws and customs in order to keep peace in the Jerusalem church. Now, he didn't do this to be saved. Paul declared over and over again that salvation does not come through observing the law, but by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Now, he wasn't observing the laws in order to be saved. He did it to avoid offending the Jews so that he could reach them with the gospel. And then to find some common ground with the Jews, while he was in Jerusalem, he shared his testimony. And he said to them, brothers, he said, I'm a Jew. Born in Tarsus, I was brought up in this city under the teaching of Gamaliel, thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and zealous for God, just like you are. But then one day I was on my way to Damascus to persecute the Christians, when suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice, and I asked, who are you, Lord? And the voice Paul didn't want to hear came thundering down, and he says, I am Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Paul went on to tell how Jesus Christ had changed and transformed his whole life. He told them how he had met Jesus. Paul shared his testimony, he shared his story. And you have a testimony. You have a story. It may not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's, but your story will relate to someone like no one else's story will. Because you know what? There's a lot of people out there that are a lot like you. And God will use your story in the lives of others if you're faithful to share it. But then when Paul was in Athens, he used an entirely different approach. He walked around the city and he was grieved when he saw that it was filled with idols. And he said to them, men of Athens, I see that you're very religious. I even found an altar that said to an unknown god. And so I want to tell you about this unknown God. And then to find some common ground with them, He began with creation. How God created the world and everything in it. And then He told them the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. But He also preached about judgment and sin. You see, when we share the gospel, we have to talk about sin. We have to talk about repentance. When sharing the good news, we also have to present the bad news. Now, you know, we've all heard those good news, bad news jokes. I heard one the other day about two old guys who were wondering if there was baseball in heaven. And they promised each other that the first one to die would somehow let the other know. Well, a week later, one of them died. And a week after that, his friend recognized his voice coming from the clouds Joe, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. The good news is there's baseball in heaven. Bad news is you're pitching on Friday. (laughs) But you see, when sharing the good news, we also have to talk about the bad news. We can't share the gospel unless it's against the backdrop of sin. We're all sinners, and we all need to repent, and we all need God's love and His forgiveness. We all need a Savior. But Paul used different approaches with different audiences. This is becoming all things to all people. To the Jews, he became like a Jew in order to win the Jews. When Paul was with those who had a weak conscience, he shared their weakness like we've talked about the last couple weeks. Why did he do that? So that he could bring the weak to Christ. The point is not to embarrass people or to condemn them, but to engage them. That's why we have to adapt. He tried to find common ground with everyone, doing everything he could to see them saved. And so should we. Now many of you know that Bob Heron loves to play soccer and ice hockey. So he's invited people, he's invited guys out to his pond to play ice hockey and he plays soccer and so does Rhonda. But they have used that to find common ground with people. And it's led to opportunities to share the gospel. Bob Vaultman loves to ride his motorcyclist, Harley. And he has joined others who have that same passion. That's given him opportunity to share his story, to share the gospel, to invite people to church. What might it be for you? It could be golf, tennis, joining a class. There are so many ways to share the gospel, so many methods, from building relationships through common interests, to serving in the community, to showing hospitality in your home, taking a short-term mission, to preaching on a college campus. But Paul said this. Paul said what's important is that in every way, Christ is proclaimed. That's the goal. That Christ would be proclaimed. Paul often changed his approach to fit his audience, but he never changed his basic message. Jesus. Now, if you'd asked Paul, Paul, how do you communicate the gospel? Paul would have said, I preach Jesus. I tell people about Jesus. Now, you know, Paul was a brilliant man. He could have talked intellectually about many things. But here's what he told this church in Corinth. If we go back to chapter 2, he said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, he said, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ. And Him crucified. That's the good news the world needs to hear. That's the message Paul preached. And so must we. And when we do, it has the power to change lives. But you know, to do so, it will take discipline. It will take discipline. And that's the third thing we learn from the Apostle Paul about the gospel. It takes discipline to share the gospel. To be an effective ambassador for Christ takes discipline. And that's true of the whole Christian life. Now, if you look at the word disciple and the word discipline, the connection between the two is obvious. And writing to these believers in Corinth, Paul compared our walk with Christ to that of a runner in a race, an analogy he often used. Now, look at what he wrote in verse 24. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. In other words, run in such a way as to win. That's the goal, to win. Not to come in last or just to participate or to get honorable mention, but to win. God wants us to be winners. But to win, it takes discipline. You know, a team can win some games with superior ability. But it takes discipline to win championships. It takes discipline to win the gold. Now look at verses 25 and 27. Paul says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Disqualified. Notice Paul says, I discipline my body. I keep it under control. Now, you know, some translations say, I buffet my body. Paul says, I buffet my body. You know, it's interesting. Did you know that buffet and buffet are spelled the same way? It's true. You know, some Christians have read this and they thought that Paul said, I buffet my body. And they think, oh, I can do that. So after church, they head out to the buffet. No, no, no. This is buffet. This means discipline. This means self-control. For example, it takes discipline to exercise and watch what we eat. Now, I know that we just got off the holidays, what, a little more than a month ago, and some people have used that for an excuse. But, you know, Kelly told me she saw a sign the other day that says, don't blame the holidays, you were fat in August. (laughs) We're talking about discipline here. But why do athletes need discipline? Why do they need discipline? Because they have an opponent who wants to defeat them. And so do we. Satan will do everything he can to defeat us. And without discipline, we're a soft target for the devil. In fact, it's impossible to live a victorious Christian life without discipline. If we're going to have daily victory in our lives, we're going to have to practice discipline. Self-discipline. We need the disciplines of Bible study and prayer. And the discipline of living by the Spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Self-discipline... Discipline means building the strength to say no when our flesh or our sinful nature screams yes. Saying no to anything that leads us away from God. And that doesn't come naturally. So we need God's help through the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said he disciplined his body like an athlete so that after preaching the gospel to others, he wouldn't be disqualified. Do you know what disqualifies us? Sin. Sin disqualifies us. Now, when Paul spoke of being disqualified, he didn't mean that he could lose his salvation, but rather he meant he could lose his privilege of telling others about Christ. In this chapter 9, Paul uses himself as an example of a mature Christian who disciplines himself so that he can better serve God. Next week, as we look at chapter 10, we'll see that he speaks of Israel's lack of discipline, their lack of self-control, and their sins of idolatry, sexual immorality, their sins of the tongue, grumbling, the type of sins that could disqualify us as ambassadors for Christ. Grumbling, complaining, being judgmental, being critical. All these sins snuff out our light and destroy our witness for Christ. You know, it's been said there are two reasons why people don't go to church. One, they don't know a Christian. Two, they do know a Christian. Nothing hurts the gospel more than hypocrisy. To be an effective ambassador for Christ, we've got to discipline our lives and walk as Jesus walked. Jesus said in Luke 9:23, he said if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to deny self? It means to say no to ourselves and say yes to God. Think of it. If Jesus hadn't been willing to deny himself and to lay down his life and go to the cross, there'd be no gospel. There'd be no good news unless we're willing to lay down our lives and deny self, the gospel won't be proclaimed to a lost world. That's why Paul said in verse 19, he said, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Sharing the gospel takes self-denial. It takes discipline. And we don't always like that word discipline. Here's how I define discipline. It's the ability to make ourselves do what we know we must do even when we don't want to do it. And I have to confess, there's times I don't want to share my faith. There's times I don't feel like sharing my faith. There's times I've been afraid to. And sometimes taking up our cross and denying self means we're willing to identify with Jesus Christ and we're not ashamed to tell others about him but we have to tell others about him we must why here's the short answer jesus told us to he told us to in fact he commands us to take the gospel into all the world he said go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation that wasn't a suggestion it was never a suggestion that we his ambassadors bring the gospel to others. It's a command, and we must obey. You may recall the story of Jonah. God told him to go to Nona, uh, to, I'm sorry, God told him to go to Nineveh and preach to them because he was soon going to judge them for their sin. But they were the enemies of Israel, and Jonah didn't want to go. So God said to Jonah, "Go." Jonah said, "No." God said, "Oh." You probably know the rest of the story. After graduating from Fish University, Jonah decided that he would obey. Now, I realize that we obey God because we love Him. And the love of Christ compels us. But it also takes discipline to obey. And it takes discipline to share the gospel effectively. You see, we've been entrusted with God's message of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with the gospel. And it's not our message, it's God's message. That's why our witnessing must be biblical. If it's not founded on the word of God, it becomes our ideas and our opinions. So we need to be disciplined to study the word of God. We need to be disciplined to memorize gospel verses and to meditate on them so that we can apply them. We need to be disciplined to say no to sin so that like Paul, we're ready to share the good news. Listen, if we want to lead others to Christ, we at least need to have a basic understanding of our faith and how to answer difficult and often asked questions. But this doesn't mean that we can't share the gospel until we feel adequately prepared. There have been many times I don't feel prepared, and I have to trust God to help me. Yes, we should be disciplined to learn all we can so that we're prepared to give the reason for the hope that we have. But we also need to work with what we have right now. We need to work with what we know now. You see, what I'm saying is we don't have to wait to share our faith. That's a lie from the devil. I love the story in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we have the story of an immoral woman. She was a Samaritan. And her life was changed when she met Jesus. And she was so excited that she left her water jar at the well and she went back into the town to tell tell the people. She said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And the Bible says that many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of his words and because of the testimony of that woman. Now, she didn't know the Bible. She didn't have verses memorized. She didn't even have time to clean up her life. She just knew that something happened in her heart. She just knew that something life-changing happened when she met Jesus, and she wanted to tell as many people as she could. And With God's help, you and I can do the same. But we still need to be disciplined so that we can be the best ambassadors we can be. But you know what? Discipline always brings reward. Always. Again, in verse 25, Paul reminds us of how athletes go into strict training. They're disciplined. And Paul says they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now, he's speaking of the reward that comes with faithfully sharing the gospel and living for Christ. Paul says, I discipline my body. I've surrendered my rights. I've made myself a servant to all. I've become all things to all people. I run to win. Why? Verse 23. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. In other words, Paul's saying, I do all of this to get the gospel to lost people and also because of the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. Sharing the gospel brings a blessing, a reward that will last forever. And to Paul, one reward is when he could offer the gospel free of charge. If you look again at verse 18, he says, What then is my reward? That in preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. You know, no one could ever say that Paul was in it for the money. He had every right to receive compensation, as Chris spoke about last week. But he surrendered that right so that he wouldn't be a burden to the church in Corinth, so that nothing would hinder the gospel. He did the same thing with the church in Thessalonica. He told them, he said, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. We could have asked you for financial support, but we cared for you. And he wrote this to them in 1 Thessalonians 2 8. He said, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You see, in Paul's mind, he had to preach the gospel. He said, for necessity is laid upon me. He said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He was commanded to preach the gospel. It was his obligation. It was his duty. But he didn't have to receive pay. And to Paul, when he could offer the gospel free of charge, that was a reward. That was a blessing. Why? Because as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we're always blessed when we give. Whether we're giving to the poor Whether we're giving of our time, whether we're giving of our labor, our money, or whether we're giving of the life-changing message of the gospel. There's a joy in giving. And when we proclaim the gospel, and we see the love of God penetrate a person's heart, and we see the Holy Spirit open blind eyes, and we see a lost person repent of their sin and come to Christ, when just one person repents of their sin and comes to Christ, all of heaven rejoices, the Bible says. And you and I, we, we share in that joy. Imagine when Jesus Christ comes. When He returns. You know, it may not be that long from now. And we'll be with Him forever in heaven. And there are people in heaven because of your involvement in the gospel. Because you partnered with others In the gospel. Maybe you planted the seed. Maybe you watered. Maybe you gave financially and supported those who preached the gospel. You sent them. Maybe you prayed for the salvation of lost people. And you prayed for missionaries. Maybe you invited someone to church. Maybe you shared your story of how God changed your life. You told someone about Jesus. And they're in heaven because you partnered with God in the gospel. Can you imagine the joy? The joy? That's a reward that will never, ever fade or perish. That's a reward that will last for all eternity. For all eternity. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to die on a cross, to suffer and bleed and die, to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us the privilege of sharing that wonderful message with others. You've you've said that we're your ambassadors. We represent you. Lord, would you help us to represent you well? Would you give us grace to share the good news with others? Would you empower us to do so? Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning and they've never experienced the love that was demonstrated on the cross, I pray that if they've never received you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, if they've never confessed their sins, would you give them grace to do that right now? Would you help them to say to you right now, oh God, I'm a sinner. And I see I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart, into my life, forgive my sins, and make me the person you want me to be. I want to have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here this morning that you once again would give us grace and strength and empower us to share that good news with everyone we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening and joining our mission. For more content or to learn more about us, visit winworthroadchurch.com.